today we are going to be uh, talking about a silly little word, all right? I promise you it's a silly little one. Uh, because it came into the English language maybe about early 1800s is when it finally popped up. And initially it meant uh, to touch, all right? So, or to tap on something, to tap on something. Eventually the language got changed a little bit. And instead of saying to tap, it was saying that's mine. That's mine. And that, that silly little word that we use today, maybe some of you still use it, is the word dibs, right? Anybody ever use the word dibs? You call dibs and you say, oh, that's mine. That's mine, right? I remember as a kid, you know, I'd call dibs on, oh, that last piece of pizza, dibs. That one's mine, right? The good seat on the couch, dibs. That's mine. There, there's another form of dibs as well uh, called shotgun, right? Anybody called shotgun in a vehicle? You know, I want that front seat. That's mine, dibs. I'll take it. Uh, I feel like, you know, we do that even as Americans. We went to the moon, planted the flag, dibs. The moon is ours, right? And, and that's what we do. Uh, for us at Thanksgiving time, there's a little tradition we have. You know, you got the mashed potatoes. That's, that's one of the best parts of Thanksgiving. Anybody excited for Thanksgiving coming up? Oh, man, that's going to be great. And so you got the mashed potatoes. You put it all on there, and it just looks magnificent, this big mound of mashed potatoes. And then finally, like, they bless it with butter, right? You just put a pat of butter on there, and it just anoints the whole mashed potatoes, right? And so there's a little bit of a, a fight in our house over who gets the first blessed scoop of mashed potatoes with that extra butter. So it's always like dibs on that one, right? We're always calling that. Maybe there's goofy things that you call dibs on. Uh, some of you, some of you walked into this place this morning, you called dibs. That aisle seat is mine, right? Right, and you're just like, no, right this way. You can come on in. I'm just holding the spot. Yeah, you just fill it all up. Yeah, because this seat is mine, dibs, right? So we call dibs on, on some silly things sometimes because we like to own things. We like to be in charge. Uh, we like it to be ours. And so today, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you from a guy who I would say liked to call dibs. He liked to own things. And, and so I want you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This guy's name is Paul. He wrote the book of 1 Corinthians, and he was really uh, one of the first missionaries. And he had a profound impact on our world today because of the ministry uh, that he did and the journeys, the missionary journeys that he's had. And, and since it's Missions Month, I thought this would be a great place to start. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at verse 19. And, and uh, before we read that, let's just pray this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, thank you that, that you wrote this special letter just to us. God, that we can read it and hear your voice. We can hear what you want us to hear today. So God, I pray that these words would just jump off the page. God, we, we know your word is living and active. So God, I pray that it would just move in our lives today, that it would change us, that we walk out of this place different because of the words that we read today. In Jesus' name, Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, it says this. And this is Paul writing again. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Verse 21, it says, To those outside the law I became as one outside the law not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. 
I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. And what a neat passage, right? Paul is, is saying here, uh, again, if we rewind a little bit, Jesus gave that great commission, right? He gave the, the great commission. Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world. Hey, go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth because everybody needs to know the gospel. The gospel is for everyone. And Paul heard that and he's just like, all right, let's do this thing. Right, I'm going to go everywhere. I'm going to go wherever you need to send me to whatever people group you need to send me. I'm in. Now, we don't know how this happened. We don't know how they chose which place they went. But I just kind of picture, you know, one day the disciples are standing around and they, you know, they pull up a map, right? We pull up a map and say, all right, what, what section should we take? You know, maybe Peter and John, they, they call dibs on Jerusalem. Like, well, we'll take this. Guys, don't worry about it. Right? And then you've got the other disciples and a few of them, maybe they call, we'll, we'll take dibs on Judea, right? We'll, we'll do this thing. Philip's up in Samaria and he says, I got dibs on Samaria, right? And they're circling the map there. They're figuring out what do we want to do? This is where we're going to go. And then Paul was kind of late to the party. He wasn't one of the disciples originally, but he had this amazing encounter with, with Jesus. It totally changed his life. And Paul looks on the map and he's like, all right, zoom out, all right? Let's, let's think a little bit bigger here, guys, because Jesus said to the ends of the earth. And so Paul looks at the map and he says, dibs, just like give me the whole thing, right? You guys are thinking too small. We need to dream bigger here. Dibs, I'll take whoever. I'll take whatever. I don't care if they're in Jerusalem or they're over in Rome. Dibs, it's mine. I'll take them. See, Paul was a guy who liked to call dibs. He didn't care. Jews, Gentiles, men, women, weak, strong, slave, king dibs taking them all they're mine right and i'm going to do anything i can to reach people for jesus because jesus called us to the ends of the earth so paul's missionary journeys they took him all over from jerusalem to rome and uh all, everywhere in between and he took the gospel to places it had never been before See, he saw people, and I think he just called dibs. He saw cities, and he says, dibs, this is mine. He was like those annoying birds in Finding Nemo. You know, mine, 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 mine. You know, he's just seeing those different places. I, I'm taking them, dibs, right? See, Paul took the Great Commission personally. He took it personally. And that's what we need to do. We need to take the Great Commission personally. We need to take it personally. You've all heard that phrase, don't take it personally, Right? Don't take it personal. We say that right before we say something really personal. That's how we do that, right? Don't take it personally, but you're ugly. Like, what? How am I not supposed to take that personally? Like, that's a really personal statement. Like, you just told me I was ugly. Well, wait, I just don't want you to, you know, feel bad about it. I don't want to feel bad about it. I just want you to deal with it. You know, it's just the facts, you know, and don't take it personally, but fill in the blank. I'll tell you what we need to take personally is the Great Commission. Right? I keep throwing these stats around. There's 5.4 billion people in our world who don't know Jesus. We need to take that personally. There's 3.3 billion people out there that not only don't know Jesus, but have never had a, a gospel message preached to them. They, they may not even know the name of Jesus. Church, we need to take that personally. Because God's called us to the ends of the earth. Don't sit here and just think, well, somebody else has got no, we need to take it personally because that great commission is for each one of us. 
See, I know that God's heart, I know that God's heart is that none would perish, but that all would have eternal life, that all would come to know him. And if that's God's heart, then it needs to be our heart, that all would know Jesus. See, we need to take the Great Commission personally. When we, when we know of a person who doesn't know Jesus in our family, let's take that personally. Let's take that person. Let's do something about it. When there's somebody on our block that doesn't know Jesus, let's start to take that personally. When there's somebody at our job that doesn't know Jesus, let's take that personally. In our state, in our nation, in our world, let's start to take that personally. That's what Paul did. He said, dibs, I'm calling it all. I don't care. Jew, Gentile, slave, free, whatever you might be, dibs. So what if we walked around and we started having this change of attitude and just said, you know what? God, whoever it is, man, like we sang earlier, send me. Pick me. I'm in. I'm all in. I want to reach people for Jesus because that's what you've called me to do. See, we need to step up and and take responsibility, right? And and just be able to say, God, use me because I know that you are my Savior and I want to see people go to heaven. Right? So we're going to start showing people who Jesus is through our actions. We're going to start showing who Jesus is through our words. We're going to start inviting people to church until they get sick of you, right? Because we want to take that personally. That person's mine, and devil, you can't touch them. Now, you can't make anybody go to heaven. You can't make anybody accept Christ. But we can sure tell them. We can sure tell them, and we'll allow God to do the rest. But we want to make sure that every person in this world has a chance to hear the gospel. Because if we don't take the Great Commission personally, then who will? Then who will? It's up to us. Uh, there's a little poem that uh, I heard a long time ago, but it's really stuck with me. And, and I want to share that with you this morning. Is that all right? It's not really a poem. It's maybe like a little story. But it's got four characters in it. And so I need, I, I need some participation here just so you can get into the story. Uh, so uh, there's four people in this story. And the first one, uh, it's a story about person named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody, all right? So this section over here, you guys, and extended, you guys are everybody, all right? So just when I say everybody, you wave your hand at me, all right? So everybody. Oh, perfect. There's everybody. All right. You guys right here, you're somebody, all right? So when I say somebody, you just wave. You guys are excited to be somebody, all right? Now you guys right here, and extended, you guys are, you're anybody, all right, so just wave. Anybody? Hey, great job. Nice to see you, anybody. All right, and you guys over here, uh, don't take it personally, but you're nobody. All right? You're nobody. Wave at me, nobody. All right. These guys are awesome. All right, so when you hear your, your name called, you just wave your hand. All right, you ready for this? All right, so there's a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. We just did the wave in church. All right, this is great. So there's an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Now, somebody got angry because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. So it ended up that everybody blamed somebody that nobody did what anybody could have done. Right? Isn't that a silly little story? But isn't that true? Like we're sitting around like, well, somebody's going to do it. Well, guess what? You're all somebody. 
right? You are somebody. Stop looking around, looking for somebody. You are somebody. And we need to start taking this great commission personally because otherwise nobody's going to do it. Nobody's going to do it unless we step up and say, I am somebody. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you are somebody. Right? Now shout it out. I am somebody. Right? We believe in you. You got this. Good luck. No, that's not quite how it works. No, you are somebody. God wants to use you. He wants to empower you. He wants to equip you to do the great commission. You are somebody. We're all somebody. Right? If you're looking like, well, the missionaries will do it. Well, the church will do it. No, you are the church. We are the church. Let's do this. You are somebody. So let me ask you this question today. How far are you willing to go to reach those who don't know Jesus? How far are you willing to go to reach those who don't know Jesus? See, Paul was willing to go wherever and do whatever it took, right? Paul was that kind of guy. I like that verse 22 when he says, I have become all things to all people that I might save some. Man, even if I can just save one person, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. I don't, I don't care about what I ought to do. I just want to do whatever I can so that more people know about Jesus because I've experienced such freedom in my life and more people need to know about the eternal life that we can have in Jesus and the freedom we can have. So he was willing to do whatever, wherever. He says, to the Jews, I became a Jew. To the Gentiles, he became a Gentile. To the weak, he became the weak. So let's look. What does that mean? What does that mean? So verse 20, uh, again, just bringing that back. It says, to the Jews... I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under law, that I might win those who are under the law. So you got to look at this Jewish culture. You know, they grew up knowing the, the Old Testament and all the laws. They grew up in the sacrificial system. And, you know, when you sinned, when you messed up, you'd have to bring an animal in your place to take this death penalty away from you and all these different customs and all these different traditions. Well, when Jesus came to this, this earth and he died on that cross, he changed everything. He became the perfect sacrifice. So now we don't have to sacrifice animals. Now we can go and we can ask forgiveness. And, and Jesus takes our place. And it's amazing the work that Jesus did on the cross when he died and when he rose again. It's amazing. It's incredible. And so Paul found this newfound freedom, right? He was a Pharisee. He used to know the whole thing. And he still knew the whole thing, but he knew that he had newfound freedom in Jesus, and he didn't have to follow all the laws uh, by, by perfectly because Jesus had come to fulfill them, right, and take away some of those restrictions that we used to have. For example, uh, Deuteronomy 14.8 says this. Oh, I'm so glad that this one's done with. It says, and the pig, because it parts the hoof but does not chew the cut, is unclean for you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. So no pork, right? Bacon is off the menu. And that's the way it was back then. Uh, Exodus 23, 19 says, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. In other words, cheeseburgers are gone, right? You can't have cheese and meat all together there. It doesn't work. And so you have all these things, but Jesus came and he says, no, we've made everything clean for you. God's made this creation. He told that to Peter. He had a vision. You can check it out in Acts and uh, read through all of that. But we see freedom come through Jesus. We don't have to follow all of the, the little laws, but we follow those love God and love people, right, at the heart of everything we do. So when Paul, rose in, Paul, Paul comes into a Jewish community, now he's sitting there and he knows he's got the freedom, 
right? But you're not going to see Paul walk around with a bacon double cheeseburger and rubbing it in their faces because he knew that if he did that, it would offend them. It would offend their culture. And before he even got to present the gospel, before he got to tell them that Jesus is the Messiah you've been waiting for, they'd tune him out. They wouldn't listen to him. Uh, one day in, in Acts 21, uh, they asked him to do some purification rituals. Again, these were just traditions that had been passed down and passed down. And Paul didn't have to do it. He'd been purified by the blood of the lamb already. But instead, he went through and he did that. And he went through all the purification rituals just so that people could hear the gospel. And that's why he did it. So to the Jews, he became a Jew to win the Jews. He, he allowed himself to be under those stricter laws just so people could hear the gospel. Uh, verse 21, it says, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Right? Not saying I'm going to be a rule breaker. Not saying I'm going to disobey the law of Christ. But if we don't have to follow all those little things, I'm going to blend into that culture that I might win those who are outside the law. So when he's, he's spending time with people, the Gentiles, the people who aren't Jews, that's a word for I'm not Jewish, Gentiles, right? Uh, while he's spending time with them, he jumps into their customs and in their traditions. And so long as, he's got that caveat in there, so long as I don't have to break any of God's laws, I'm going to come and I'm going to do what you do so that way you're open to hear the gospel. Because again, Paul didn't want anything to offend people except for the gospel itself. He wanted to make sure that he could share the good news with as many people as possible. So he blended into those, those cultures so that they could hear, so that they could listen. Right? He didn't walk around with his nose up and his chin high saying, I'm better than you. Right? Put that bacon down. You know, he didn't do that. He said, hey, I'm going to come here and, and I'm going to jump into your culture, into your system, but I'm not going to dishonor God. I'm going to uh, draw the line there. But I want you to hear me out. I want you to hear what God's doing. It was kind of funny the other day, um, our oldest son, Luke, he, he comes home from school, and I think we were playing a little board game, and, and all of a sudden, I mean, he just started saying things I've never heard him say before, right? He, he won a piece, or he, he won, he did something good in the game, and all of a sudden, he was just like, dude, like, dude, where'd that come from? And then 10 seconds later, he did another good thing in the game, and he's like, yo, kid am I raising here? And then a little while later, he won the game, and he's like, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Where'd this come from? I was like, oh, you've been at school all day, and this is what the kids are saying, apparently, right? Just kind of blending into that culture. And that's kind of what Paul did. He, he blended into that culture so that they would be able to hear the gospel, so they could hear the gospel. It says, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. Right? So he's saying, I would, I'm willing to do everything short uh, of sin against God to reach people for Jesus. I'd do everything. I'll eat food I don't like. I'll wear clothes that I don't want to. I'll go places I'd rather avoid. Right? Bringing Jesus, bringing people to Jesus was more important to him than using his freedom selfishly. If it helps save even some, I'm in. See, we need to reach people right where they are. The gospel isn't clean yourself up and come to Jesus. The gospel is Jesus wants to meet you right in your mess, right in, right in the, the difficult situations. Jesus wants to meet you there, and he wants to pull you out of it. He wants to clean you up. He wants to do all those things. You don't need to clean up first. You just need to come to Jesus. So let's not make the gospel harder for people, right? Let's not make the gospel harder for people. Let's bring it right where they are. 
Well, this morning, we've got a special guest with us, and I want to invite Kim Wida. Would you come on up? And uh, we've got a microphone right over there for you. But uh, we have been supporting Kim and her family for decades here at AFA. We've been partnering with you, and you can read some more information just about what they're currently doing and how God's using them in the backside of your bulletin. But uh, Kim, I'd like you just to come and, and share a little bit about how you've lived this verse of how God has used you and your family uh, to become all things to all people so that you might share some. Would you just give a hand for, for Kim White? Well, Pastor Ben, I'm so honored just to be here. I'm weeping through your whole message. How powerful, how powerful that God has called us outside of ourselves because he put dibs on the world. He put dibs on all of our hearts, on every person's heart. He put dibs. Well, we have had the honor of serving in Asia for many decades. And you sent us. You sent us many years ago. And so our stories are your stories. And so today, as I just shared a couple of things that we were able to make, how we were able to make Jesus known in these places, these are your stories that we're telling you get to put dibs on these stories. And so when we first went to China, um, we were sent, you sent us, and while we were there, we were doing everything we could. We, had an, we were working on an orphanage campus with elderly people, and we had teams come in, and they came to serve, and we did whatever we could that we could reach people. And how many of you know God uses just ordinary people who are all a package deal, we're messy and miraculous every day. And we just say, Lord, take my brokenness, take my whatever I have, and I lay it before you. I give it to you. And so we went to China. We worked in an orphanage, but we also had many different relationships because we first taught in a small, small city. And we had friends there. And it came about the end of November, and it was one of our first years there, and I was thinking about Christmas and I was thinking about how I wasn't in my culture and how I didn't get to celebrate Christmas the way I wanted to with my family and how I wouldn't have a tree and this and that and all of a sudden all my selfishness was coming out and I was like oh yeah it's all about me and my Christmas and it's about this and that and in that moment God gave me a little shock treatment and he said, is this all about you? Because I forgot, even though I was sent. In that moment, I woke up and I said, what am I so worried about my Christmas for? I'm going to transfer this and make this redeemable. I'm going to redeem this. And so I planned about seven or eight Christmas parties for all my friends, different clans and different peoples and families. And so one night, we had a family that we had been sharing Jesus with for a long time. And we decided, we're going to have a Christmas party, so you always go out for a big banquet. And so we're going to have a big banquet, and they served usually 7 to 21 dishes. So we just dished it up, and just depending on how honorable you are. And so if you were really super honorable, you got 21 dishes. Usually, they, we only got served about 8, but... Um, <laughs> 
yeah, you're making the correlation there. And so, <clears throat> and so we, we served them 20 dishes and we just spoiled them because this is the culture that we live in. And so we blessed them. And then we, we came back to our home and we decided that we were going to do trim a tree. They had never trimmed a tree. And so I actually did find a little artificial tree. And so we had little ornaments with the names of God on them. And so we translated it, and then we had hymns in the translation that we were working with. And so in between trimming a tree, this was a whole new thing, so we set the setting up, the lights were on, and it was a little dark. And, and, and one by one, we gave each family member an ornament with the name of God on it. Maybe it was living water or bread of life or light of the world or the vine. And so they would bring it up and then we would sing a hymn in between and they loved to sing. And at one point there was a little old man. He was the father. We had about maybe 15 people there because they come in clans. You know, many people in the States, we come individually, that's our culture, but because it's collective, they come in families to Christ. And so this little old man, he had a little sheep, and he went up, and he was just cute, little skinny little man, and he put it on the tree, and then he tiptoed back, and he had a paper, and it said, the Lamb of God. And he put this paper, he folded it up, he was so excited, and he put it in his pocket, and he brought it home that night, and he told his daughter, who had already accepted Christ, he said, I have to tell you something, I stole the paper. <laughs> and she said, you stole the paper? And he said, yes. He said, you know, I had the Lamb of God, and do you know I was born in the year of the Lamb. I said, little does he know. And he began to believe, and he was born in the year of the Lamb, but he was also reborn in the year of the Lamb. And so this man and his whole family, actually, they have a Bible study every Sunday night in their home. Many of them have been baptized. When they were baptized, the waters, they were out, and there was about 14 or 15 of them, and the waters were rough, and they had to do it in secret. And do you know what they said? They said, we were out in the water, and we saw two rainbows in the sky. And then it began to rain a little bit. And do you know that we felt the joy of God's tears over us? The Lamb of God. Jesus. God put his dibs on the earth, the lost. He put his son on a stake in the ground. And he said, dibs. God so loved the world, he said, dibs. That through the life and the death of his son, he claimed every person for himself. We just get to go reclaim and say, Dibs, God wants you. 
So God bless you as you put all of your heart and soul into the nations this month. Dibs. Let's claim it for Jesus. Thank you for sharing, Kim. I love to hear what God is doing and uh, how that can be our story, that we get to, to claim that story of, uh, of just how God used you, even though you know, it wasn't something you wanted to do or how you wanted to do it, but God used you to reach people. And, and that's what we want to see, right? We'll become all things to all people so that we might even reach some. We see that with Jesus, right? We see Jesus. He was calling dibs on people all the time. He, called it on the whole world. He wasn't afraid to cross cultural barriers to reach people, right? Last week, we looked at, at John chapter 4 for a little bit. We, we saw Jesus reach out to a woman who was a Samaritan, right, who uh, really was very sinful, and also she was kind of at the low end of the status pole, right? And you've got Jesus, who was this holy Jewish man right, who had this great following around him. They, they shouldn't have done it, but he crossed these barriers so that way he could reach even one, even one. Uh, he was willing to reach out cross-culturally. Oftentimes, you see Jews, you see even his own disciples saying, what's Jesus doing? He can't do that, right? That's breaking too many rules, Jesus. I feel like Jesus was kind of a rule breaker, right? <laughs> not, not a sinful rule breaker, but he broke tradition. He broke tradition often. Why? So he could heal people on the Sabbath, right? He, he went and he, added, he, he ate at people's homes that are, were just like, why, why are you, you can't go there, Jesus. That's wrong. You can't go in that place. He's like, no, this person needs me. This person needs to hear about my father, right? He, he even, on the night he, uh, he, he was betrayed, he went and he washed his disciples' feet. No, that's the role of a servant, Jesus. You can't do that. No, I'm teaching you. I'm showing you. This is okay. To, to break tradition so that we can lead people to eternal life. Jesus was willing to break tradition to reach people. See, Jesus did this. Paul did this. Why? Because people are worth it. People are worth it. People are worth it. That's why you see people all around this place. You know, look at these faces. People are worth it. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, what language you speak. If you're a guy or a girl, your social status, people are worth it. Jesus died for all. He died for all, right? Statistically speaking, if you had to put a value on a human life, right? Uh, if you went and you sold off your kidneys and your heart and every inch of your skin, you know, you basically just became a donor. Uh, they say that that would add up to like $45 million. And that doesn't include your soul, which is priceless, right? Man, people are worth it. But many times we look at people and we assign them their worth or we tell them their worth just by the way we treat them. Right? We say some words over them and uh, we avoid them or we don't talk to them and it's basically telling them, you're not worth it. You're not worth it. What value does it show to people when we decide, you know what, I'm not going to tell them the gospel today. I'm not going to tell them the good news. They're worth more than that. People are worth it. We need to, when we tell people the gospel, that's the greatest thing we can do. That's the greatest thing, that's the greatest way we can say, you have worth, and I care about you, right? Uh, when we come to realize that in God's eyes that we are all equal, 
and that we're all valuable, that we're all precious for, to Jesus, that Jesus died for each one of us, right? Then it's a lot easier to take that great commission personally. When we start to see people the way that Jesus sees people, when we start to see the people the way God sees people. Raise your hand in here if you know the golden rule, right? You guys know the golden rule? Do to others as you would have them do to you, right? Matthew 7, 12. You don't even have to be a Christian to know that one. You can go into the public schools, and a lot of times they've got to do, they even call it the golden rule, right? Because they thought, this is good, we're going to take that. And so a lot of people, we know the golden rule. And I, we say it this way, do to others as you would have them do to you. But oftentimes I feel like we interpret it and we teach it, don't do to others what you would have them not, or what you don't want them to do to you, right? Don't give Johnny a swirly. That's not nice. You wouldn't want Johnny to give you a swirly, so don't do that. Knock it off. Stop it. And oftentimes, I think we interpret it that way. But, but again, you know, you look at that passage, it says, no, do to others what you would have them do to you. Not, not don't do. It says, do to others what you would have them do to you. You know, if you didn't know Jesus, the greatest thing that somebody could do for you is tell you about Jesus. It's the greatest thing. The greatest thing in the world we could possibly do for somebody else is tell them about Jesus. So I challenge you today in week one of this missions month is to do the greatest thing that you could do for them. Do for others the greatest thing you could do for them. Tell them about Jesus. And we live out the golden rule when we tell others about Jesus. Never thought about it that way before? When we do to others what we would want them to do for us. Man, if we were dying and going to hell, I'd sure want somebody to tell me that there was a better way. So we do the greatest thing we can when we tell people about Jesus. You know, there's missionaries all around this globe who've decided to stand up and take the Great Commission personally. But let's not let them be the only somebodies who take this challenge, right? You are somebody. You are somebody. You don't have to go to the other side of the planet to be somebody. You can be somebody right here. But I believe God wants to call even people out of this place to go other places to spread the word. The greatest thing we can do is tell people about Jesus because people are worth it. Worship team, would you come? Again, there's a great need for Jesus in this world today. Again, 5.4 billion people who don't know Jesus. So many lost and so many hurting people. So many people who don't understand that there's only two options in this life when we die. It's either heaven or hell, eternal life or eternal punishment. It's not we just cease to exist. It's not you get to be, you get a do-over and reincarnate yourself into some other form or shape. It, it doesn't work that way. It's either eternal life or eternal punishment. Those are the only two options. Those are the only two. And the only way to eternal life is through Jesus, through what he did on the cross. Believing in him and making him your Lord and Savior. That's the only options. There's no other way. So today, let me ask you this. Who do you need to reach? Who do you need to call dibs on? Somebody in your family? Somebody on your block? Maybe you need to go out and you just call dibs. You know what? We're going to have a block party today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the good news. Right? I'm going to share the good news of Jesus. Maybe you need to call dibs on your work. Right? And you just need to, to circle that and say, you know what, my job, I'm going to start sharing Jesus with people there because that's my territory. God has called me to this place, and I'm going to use every ounce of influence I have to make sure that we fill heaven. Right? And we're going to take it personally. Maybe today God's putting on your heart a country that you need to call dibs on. 
Saudi Arabia, Sudan, right? I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Bangladesh today. Maybe, uh, think, think, where is God calling you? Maybe you look out on those maps and God just pops one off the map and it's just like, ah, there's something different. God, where do you need me to go? God, send me. Send me. See, we've all been given the Great Commission. We are all somebodies in the kingdom of heaven. You are somebody. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Step up. Let's be somebody. So today, are you willing to take the Great Commission personally? Are you willing to become all things to all people so that by all means you might reach some? Because it's worth it. No matter the cost, it's worth it. Would you stand with me? We're going to close today by singing this song. We sang it earlier today called Send Me. And during this song, I challenge you. I challenge you. Just be willing to say, God, send me. God, where do you want to send me? You can be asking that question. Again, is it my family? Is it the people on my street? Is it the people in my work? Is it the people in my apartment building? God, send me. Who are the people that I'm supposed to be reaching out to? God, who are the people that you want to put on my heart? So I challenge you, just begin to pray that prayer. God, where do you want to send me? God, where do you want me to go? Who are the people you want me to call dibs on today? And as we sing this song, even if you want to take another step and these altars are open, I encourage you, you want to come down to this place and just begin to pray. That is, that, go for it. Go after Jesus today in these moments that we have together. We're believing God to do incredible things and that he is going to break your heart and just put a burden on your heart for people today. Jesus, I pray for everyone in this room, for every somebody in this room. God, I pray that you would wake us up to the reality, God, that this world is lost and it's broken, and God, and they need a Savior, and we've got the ultimate answer. So God, I pray that you would wake us up today, put a burden on our hearts, and help us to start taking the great commission personally. Oh, God, help us to take the great commission personally today. Send us. Where are you sending us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing this song together. Let's pray that prayer. God, where are you sending me today? I can hear my Savior call. Take off your cross and follow me. Let my heart
that your prayers for and continue to sing it. I'll go anywhere. that we wouldn't hold your good news inside the four walls of this building, but God, that we would go out into this world and tell the world about you. Tell our friends and our family about you, that we would go to the ends of the earth. God, send us today. God, send us today. Put a burden on our heart for lost people who need to know you who need to know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. God, that you died and that you rose again, that you defeated sin, you conquered the grave, and we can have eternal life in you. God, may we not keep that hidden, but God, may we go and may we tell the world. God, help us to tell the world today. Send us today. Send us Jesus, I pray that, that as we leave this place today, God, that we would leave different. God, we believe that you, you're putting burdens on people's hearts today. And God, may we not be able to contain that. May we not be able to hold that down. But God, may we go and share the good news of Jesus with this world. Lord, we thank you. God, as I pray that you'd fill us with your spirit this week. God, that you'd give us the boldness to speak up, to do something about it. And like Paul, become all things to all people that by all means, we might reach some. So God, bless your people today. Bless these somebody today. Help us to go and make a difference, to love God, to love people, and to share Christ everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, these altars are open. I encourage you and challenge you. Continue going after God. And, and when you need to go, uh, have an incredible, amazing week. And may you share the love of Jesus with everyone you need. Thank you.